Hello and welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Season 7, Episode 10, a very special religious episode to kick off our week. You know, the Arsenal Podcast Society recently published a report that there are 14,872 Arsenal podcasts on YouTube. And people, I'm here to tell you, there's 14,871 that are not bringing you the special, earth-shattering, legendary content that you're about to see tonight. Tonight, we bring you not one, not two, not even three Jews, but four top Jews for the same low price, and we're all cavelling around, would you believe, Jesus. So get stuck in, grab your gefilte fish and chopped liver, throw out that ham sandwich, and enjoy the next hour of Arsenal Meshugana on tonight's episode of The Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Welcome wow. to the Gooners Pod. Hello, all you Gooners. It may just be the 27th of June, but it feels a hell of a lot like Hanukkah already, man. I mean, we are on track to get a new player for each slot in the menorah. And yes, this is an Arsenal yarmulke. Um, You know, tonight we bring you a very special show. It technically started and came together about five weeks ago at Tollington with this beautiful picture, missing only one beautiful young lady, which is my daughter, who's actually still in London. Um, at that point, none of us were really talking about Jesus, unless they were you know, people walking up to, to James and asking for his autograph. Um, but let's get to <laughs> his guest. Let's introduce him, because not only are we a bunch of Jews, not only are we talking about Jesus, about about Jesus, you know, my pronunciation is going to be off tonight. But we're also not only breaking one duck, but we're breaking two ducks tonight. So, first of all, welcome back to the Arsenal podcast, to the Arsenal podcast, to the Gunners podcast. James, aka LO Cool James, it was great to finally meet you in person at the Tollington last month. Thanks for coming out to support. This is for all of you to support Gunners versus Cancer. How you been, man? Yeah, very well. Thank you for having me on. I'm overwhelmed by uh, that intro video and your introduction beforehand and then your quick costume change. Uh, but I'm here. Let's go for it. Yeah, you can see me struggling with it down. This, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be absolutely amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> this is a uh, 36-year-old. Now, now, would my guest know what this is called? I hope. 
A talus. Yes, okay. It's my 36-year-old talus, which I probably worn four times. Um, but you know, this you just you can't beat this quality. I think I got this on Etsy somewhere. And um, you know is it Ruth Beck? It, it was not Ruth Beck. Oh, fair enough. I, I got this well before I before I knew Ruth Beck, but uh but yeah, this is this is a winner, and it's so small. You know, it doesn't even cover up enough of my uh, baldness. But let's—that's that, enough. So next, a man who's technically been on the podcast before on open mic shows, but but uh, breaking his official duck as uh, as a full time panelist, Melvin. The only way is Arsenal March. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I've always wanted to be on this one. So I've, as you know, I've been in bits and pieces. I've been on here and there, but to come on the full one, yep. Well, we, I'm very excited about this. We've always enjoyed your your feedback and your perspective. I mean, this is a man who's who's lived through the ups and downs, the the double winning teams, the the mid table teams. A man born during the Tom Whitaker era. Oh come this on! Just, <laughs> well, you were born during the Tom Whitaker. I, era. I didn't say you be you started going during the Tom Whitaker. Era. Yeah, true, true. But uh, you know, the man hasn't just seen two or three Arsenal managers. These guys seen twelve in his lifetime. So it's great to have you here to provide the perspective and to tell us what Birdie Me smelled like. Uh, last but not least, a man who knows uh, a thing I too am about only a boy, building. not a man, please. <laughs> Julian Becker, uh, a man who I met last year, has a very interesting backstory, but I'm not sure we can even go over that here on our show. Uh, but he's headed stateside for the summer tour, so we'll be up to no good in Baltimore and Orlando. Welcome, uh, finally, to your duck-breaking appearance, Julian. I am so excited. I'm not 100% sure about Baltimore, but I'm 100% sure about Orlando. Well, you know, bad things happen in Florida, and I have a feeling uh, they they haven't seen what's about to hit it. So, Yeah, and, and also very good things happen in Florida as well. That's true. That's yeah, true. Because Arsenal are there, so you can't get better than that. Yeah, and, and you know, we, uh, we are going to destroy and just destroy the Orlando. I mean, we'll probably lose to Orlando, actually, and, and, and beat Chelsea. But anyway, that, that's that's a show for another time. Uh, before we get too deep into, you know, Jesus and all of that, I, I want to let you guys know exactly how fortunate you are to be the chosen ones, as it were, uh, for this podcast, because we had a lot of requests from some of the most famous Jewish Arsenal podcasters, and there's more than you would think. So, I'm just going to go through a quick, you know, view of, of who really, really wanted to be on the podcast, and I just didn't allow them. So first, I mean, everybody knows Danny Sweetbaum. Uh, Danny, you know, has, for, for 20 years has been letting his sideburns grow out and, you know, he stopped grooming himself. But, you know, we we, we had the, the panel already, so there was no room for Danny Sweetbaum. Um, then we got a call from Tom Cantor. Um uh, Credit to uh, to to uh, James for that name, but Tom Cantor tried to come on, but I said, you know, you're you're doing nine pods a day, ten would just be overexposure. This was a hard one because you know, anytime this guy comes calling to come on your podcast, you should have him on, and we had him on last Wednesday, but you know, Arsberg uh, just didn't make the cut. I you know, I said, you know, look, we, I don't want you getting overexposed. You were on last week, so Arsberg couldn't come on. Julian knows this guy. In fact, this is the guy that introduced Julian and I. And, you know, I just don't know if you know that that he changed his name. He shortened it from Judgenstein to just Judge. Uh, I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Lee Judgenstein. Hmm. Um, you know, I and, and I have pictures of, of him, you know, 
lifting the Torah and uh, and eating the ceremonial bread roll. Um, you know, so uh, but but he just he, he didn't make the cut. And th there's a couple more, uh, three more actually. Lee's right hand man, uh, his partner in crime, uh, Dan Potsfeld, uh, way too ginger. Way too ginger to come on a, uh, a, a you know a Jewish Arsenal podcast, even though he is very religious. Uh, I, I had no idea. And then the last two, I mean, one of them I kind of expected. I do the pod with him regularly, but uh, you know, Owen Youngblatt uh, could not make it tonight. He just you know he, he left me in the lurch. And uh, and and last but not least, I mean, this one again surprised me the most. But Trubowitz, that's him. Yeah, I, I think he's from my school as well. The la yeah, I was going to say the last time I saw Trupowitz was at uh, at my son's bar mitzvah, which is like you know five years ago. And man, was that guy the life of the party! But uh, but so none of those guys was placed in a position more venerable than the three of you. So so we're really counting on you to essentially take over the rest of the show and let me go have something to eat. Um, anyway, let's jump into it. It hasn't even been announced yet. I'm taking this thing off. Come on. Uh, it hasn't even been officially announced yet, but it's as official as it ever gets around here. I mean, Gabby Jesus is on his way to London Colony to sign some documents that officially guarantee Arsenal another 53 goals next season. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that's happening. And we've talked about a lot of striker targets over the last six months. Alexander Izak, Murata, Calvert-Lewin, Ivan Toney, Tammy Abraham, speaking of Jew. Uh, Mark Carroll, uh, you know, Peter Carroll, uh, all the Carrolls, Peter Crouch, Francis Jeffers. Um, where does Gabriel fit into your summer wish list when you consider everything, Melvin, uh, price, profile, age, intangibles? I mean, how do you rate this signing compared to some of the others that we were rumored with? Well, the price and profile is perfect, really. It's just that it's, you know, now it's stamped on what kind of football we're going to play next year. I mean, everyone was going for the uh, centre forward of Everton, long high balls in the air. I think it's a one-trick pony, that guy, but there we go. That's another thing. I saw, when I saw him play at the Emirates, I think last game of the season, he was just, well, none of them were any good, but he looked, again, not for not for Everyone was pumping him up when he was playing for England, and he was an English player, so he's fantastic. But we're going to play... I think a very fluid type of football now, especially along the forward line. They're being changing the whole game now. I think it won't be these long balls up into the into the penalty area. I think the only time we will do that possibly is uh, from corners when the centre halves are up. So we're going to play this fast, hopefully attacking football. We can't afford to have anyone in midfield putting their foot on the ball and having to look round now. Those days are gone. Especially when you've got someone like Jesus running into the box, which we haven't had for some time. It's a big step up from what we've got. Perhaps he's not five steps up that we needed, really, but I think he's four steps up. I really think he's practically there. And we don't know how he's going to fit in. Hopefully, you know, we just fit in because he's a pure footballer. He's got the speed, he's intelligent, runs off the ball. We haven't seen him play with our midfield. So, hopefully, our midfield will step up. We might need a signing or two to do that. But if our midfield steps up, we've got the sackers on one side and You've got Gabriel on the other side and Gabby on the other side and, and you've got Smith Rowe coming on and doing tricks as well. That type of football, I think, is going to suit us down to the ground. You know, it's, uh, as I say, it's, it's not the Tammy Abrahams. I'd have liked 
but it's a completely different team. And you know now, yeah. those days of crossing that ball are gone. You know, and and it's just, it's such a massive sea change over the last couple of years to go from, you know, where are the, where are the goals going to come from? Where's the creativity going to come from? Where's the penetration going to come from? From how are we going to fit all these guys onto the same 11 for a, for a really important game? But James, um, where do you think uh, Jesus fits into the kind of pecking order of, you know, let's, let's take Vlaovic out of the picture. Let's take Holland and, and Nunez out of the picture because they were kind of always going to go to some of your more traditional teams that are already uh, at the top rather than trying to get back to the top. But, uh, you know, of, of the rest of those, which had some very, very good players in them, how excited are you about Jesus? Oh, massively. I think I think it's a great signing for us. Um, I think Melvin summed it up perfectly. Um, but as, as well as all that Melvin said, he's a multifaceted player, which Mikel Arteta loves. Mikel Arteta loves if you can do more than one job for him. So especially with five substitutes coming in next season, if it's not going well for Jesus down the middle... We can go, okay, maybe if Saka's tired, Martinelli's tired or whoever, he can go on the left or the right and you can bring Nketiah down the middle and try that. There's so many different ways that we can, you know, facilitate this player coming in. And I'm for all of them. I, I think it's a really, really good signing. Um, I've seen a lot of people say that he's never scored more than 14, I believe, goals in a league season. That, that's That's not a problem. I Messi had never scored more than one league goal in the season until he made it into the league. <laughs> I mean, well, for me, the the first season I was fortunate enough to have my season ticket was the double winning year. I think Dennis Burkamp got 15 goals in the league that year. Overmars got 12. I think, uh, what was it, Anelka got eight. I think Ian Wright got eight as well that year because he got injured towards the end. If you've got people, like we said earlier, Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, this Vieira, no one knows how good he could be. He got a lot of assists as well as a few goals. You don't really... OK, having a 30-plus goal a season striker for Arsenal would be amazing. I'd love one. However, if he doesn't get 30, but he gets nearer 15, maybe 18, 20 in the league, and you've got all the others chipping in, which they all can do, then I don't think there's, I don't think there's much to worry about at all. And I, I say, welcome to the club. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, that seems to be the common sentiment. I mean, the... the the Manchester City teams of the past, I mean, how many 25 to 30 goal scorers have been on those teams? Yeah. I mean, Kun Aguero is a, an amazing goal scorer, but um, I don't remember him getting, I mean, maybe one season, but the yeah. seasons they played with four real target men, Balotelli, Tevez, uh, Dzeko, and, and Aguero, they were sharing the love and it, and it, and it to the betterment of their team. So, Julian, you've, first of all, you've got a fan um in here we've got uh someone calling you the most sensible one on AFTV that was Don Juan uh, and then James too sorry Melvin <laughs> um <laughs> you just don't do it for Don Juan apparently he um, he, he could have meant James from AFTV though well I'm going with James I'm going with this James because this is the James that's on us today yeah I think I think that definitely, might have it's definitely not me yeah it's definitely the James from <laughs> and um and and you know we we have uh, a super chat thank you very much Bart Vikings 23 losing was losing interest in football until this podcast tonight that's kind of what's implied I think here uh too much anti-semitism in it for me thanks for yeah, all you guys do I'd agree with that yeah well we are putting the pro-Semitism back into at least one hour uh, a night. So um, anyway, 
the joke's getting a little bit old at this point. So, you know, I, I'm going to kind of maybe pull back a little bit. But, uh, but Julian, um, same question to you about, about Jesus. Is there anyone that you would have rather seen come in? And then we'll kind of switch over to are we done yet with the, with the striker position and are we okay with that if we are? Okay, well, I'd like to kind of go through a couple of things that Melvin said. Um, first of all, he said that the price is perfect. Um, I'd have to disagree with that. I, I understand in the, the current climate with the fact that we're desperate for a striker and strikers are the most sought-after commodity in football that we're going to play over the odds odds for that. Um, however, with just one year left on his contract and in effect he wasn't a, a first-team starter for City, I'd have hoped that we could have done a deal um, a little bit better than uh, what seems to be reported at 45 million. Um, maybe if we had um, Daniel Levy at the helm doing the negotiations, we would have uh, nicked it for a, a, li a little bit less. I was not going to make the uh, the, the I, was, I wasn't going to use the trope and the stereotype there, but you've got kind of to forced us to now. Um, well, if Alex Oxley Chamberlain's a forty million pound player with a year left on his on his deal, I I think forty five is the new twenty five when it comes to you know wanting a player with you know and not waiting until he's a free transfer. Well, um, no, I, but that's your yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah I think from, from memory, um, Chamberlain went for thirty five. Um, he was he was a fantastic player. He could have been. Um, in hindsight, we did very well to get shot of him at thirty five. Unfortunately for him, uh, fortunately for us, he uh, became a bit of a bit of a crock. Um, something else Melvin said was that, and I, I do absolutely agree with him that he's a, a, a definite step up from uh, what we had. Um, but then we didn't have anything really apart from Eddie and Ketia, um, who's come in. Um, I actually actually like Eddie. So we were desperate, desperate for a striker. Um, is he a step up? Absolutely. Is he somebody that, that we need? Yes. Um, do I want him to be the only signing up front? No. Um, I, I do agree that the type of football we're going to play is going to be exciting. The kind of Wenger type football that we enjoyed at the beginning of um, for those first 10 years, it unfortunately went gradually downhill. What I think is effective in football is to be able to mix it up a bit. So I, I completely take on board about Calvert-Lewin. I actually watched him twice um, towards the end of the season once, of course, in the last game of the season against Arsenal. And also earlier in the week, I, I got invited to the uh, Watford-Everton game. Um, he came on with about 20 minutes to go um, against Watford. He was more effective than he was against Arsenal, that, that's for sure. He has suffered a lot from injury. Um, he obviously hardly played last season. I did rate him. I'm not saying that that we should should have bought him. He's he's definitely an unknown quantity at the moment as regards injuries. His career could be completely scuppered. But what I do think we need is a player in that ilk, um, especially with the five subs next next season. Um, what I'd like to see is us to have different types of football being played. It doesn't matter how good the football is if it follows the same pattern week in week out. It's very easy to play against. And that's what happened to Wenger. He never had a plan B. He was always playing the same type of football. And teams caught on to that. If you can mix it up and bring a different type of player on, a bigger player um, that can be a little bit more aggressive, can play a different way, we can mix it up. I, I think that's where we can really kind of push on. It's very much a squad game. So, yes, I want to see Jesus there. I, I do believe from what's out there that he will be the regular starter, 
but I don't want to see him play in every game. I don't want to see him play every 90 minutes. I want to see something different coming off the bench. It's all very well to have a player like him uh, and they call, you know, that they're always saying, look, let's bring on some fresh legs. But I, I still think these are professional athletes. It's more important to bring on something different if that isn't working. So to answer your question, yes, I am very much supportive of uh, Jesus coming. Um, I, I'm extremely excited by it. But I would very much like to see another player, a different type of player. One maybe like um, Skamaka that I've seen a little bit of. Um, maybe Calvert-Lewin. But again, I, I kind of acknowledge that he's going to be a bit more risky with his injuries. But maybe we'll be able to nick him at a cheaper price. Well, and, and here's and here's my question. I'll send it back to you, Melvin. You can address anything that Julian said since he, he clearly drilled down on some of your on your topics, both agreeing and disagreeing. But in the in the realm of of you know target men, I, I don't think there's any question. You, I mean, even Manchester City with those four forwards I talked about earlier, I mean they had Ed and Jekyll on their team, who was every bit the uh, the kind of Tammy Abraham type, Giroud type player that I think we underappreciated when he was here personally. But um, but the uh, the players who are those guys, the Tammy Abrahams of, of Roma, the, the Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they do come with some risk, and they also come with a huge price tag on top of money that we're spending everywhere else to really bulk up our, our squad and our quality and our youth. Is it possible that the right move to make would be to bring in someone else at the number nine position that could be a plan B, but maybe from the we're going to make a star rather than buy a star type of category. Maybe, you know, there's a tent, and I don't know enough, you know, I'm not Tom Canton or, or one of the other folks that really drill down a lot on the foreign leagues, but there's got to be some, you know, six foot three or six foot four level, like a Wout Weghorst type, but, but not, you know, a little bit, a little bit more ceiling potentially than him that, that we can add to our squad that isn't necessarily going to be a 70 million pound striker that we're signing to compete for minutes along with Niketia and, you know, and, uh, and Jesus and a, maybe a false nine every once in a while. I mean, that would seem to me like, like the profile of a Giroud when we bought him, he wasn't supposed to be Van Persie's replacement. Podolsky was. And, it turned out quite differently. So what do you think about that kind of a profile signing? I just, I wish I had a perfect example. If you're in the chat and, and I'm hearing Mika Birith, which, you know, if, if he was a, a year or two older, that might be the guy. So, you know, maybe that's the long-term plan. I think that if you're going to go for a big center forward in the Giroud mold, the way the game's played now, especially with the team we've got, I think he's got to be exceptional. Only someone like the guy that Man City bought, they would have only bought a player like him. He's that good. Harlan is that that good because otherwise you buy a player a big lad who's not quite up to it that level he's easy to defend against especially with all the other players playing football around him we've seen it so many times the last few seasons we've had uh, Lacazette who all right he's not one of the big centre forward he was the hold up guy he'd get into the box just get into the box and the balls would come in they had one man to mark. He was the focal point. They had one player marking him, one just playing off of him. And he didn't move anyway, Lacazette. So he was easy to defend against the ball. Went across, he came out, and we were getting frustrated. This is a totally different way of playing football now. It's quick, it's incisive, it's one touch, it's movement. And as I say, I think we, we're quite fluid anyway in the midfield stroke forward line. 
I think he'd be even better now with Jesus moving right left on on a on, a, on an attack. I mean, the centre halves are not going to be very happy trying to pick up him running into channels and behind them like they would do against a normal centre forward. Especially if we're tip tapping it about. Once we play that quick football and he's moving into spaces, and we've got other people who've been like Martinelli. I mean, Martinelli really has been doing that type of football by himself. And even though the focus has been on him to a degree, you know, you've got the right back looking at him, you've got also the centre half having a look because they know how good he is. When you've got him and Jesus playing up in the forward line, they're both moving and crisscrossing. I think it'd be fantastic. And I don't think if you all of a sudden you bring on a, a, a lump, and that's probably being a bit nasty to the people they're obviously very good i think the whole we lose our dna i think we've got a dna here and i think that when you say julian for example that we've got to mix it up i think you've got to mix up with person with personnel on the pitch sometimes and tweak it but look at i know man city just bought a big one but he's special but look at liverpool they haven't got a big man and they play the same football at the same pace against everybody they do it and when things don't go right for them they, they, they normally make a change that doesn't change the whole system. It keeps the same system, different personnel, and it, obviously it works for them. So I, I wouldn't like to see us now go and buy a big six foot 28 centre forward. I'll tell you what I would do. I'm more interested to see now if we get a midfielder, a destroyer. We have not had a destroyer for years. And if we have to give up Tielemans, and he's a good player, don't get me wrong, he's, he's two notches up than what we got. But I think we get a destroyer, it'll make us such a much, much better team. I really mean that. Because we don't, when you've got a destroyer, if you stop the other team playing, then you can play much more. The pressure's off your defence that much. And you can afford. Yeah, and, there, and, then, and then you've got numbers on the, on the counter-attack. Exactly. And that's what we will be doing next season with this team, I think, now. But if we haven't got a destroyer, then we're back to square one. We've got, we've got our centre-half, whoever, whoever it is, having a guy run at him and it's even money. We don't want that anymore. We saw it with, we saw it with holding against Spurs. We don't want that anymore. We want someone to just be that little bit in front and then it'll change the whole, that'll change our whole concept of where we play again. That will be another boost for us. And I think if we get that player, I don't care about another cent forward. All right, we've got, listen, we've got so much money. I don't know what it is. No one knows what it is. Even, you know, nobody knows that I outside the club. If we've got a, a budget, I would prefer to spend it on, destroyer in any other position from this moment on. Yeah, I think, I think you've, you've used Liverpool as, a, as an example, which was a really good example, um, unless you kind of count uh, Origi as a, a big lump that they can bring on as a as a plan B. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I'm a little Jewish boy at, at just about five foot eight, um, but six foot one and a big lump for me is uh, is 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 pretty big and i think we can still you're, you're a target man but just not for a football yeah yeah mm. i was I, I was built I, I was built more for speed as melvin knows <laughs> <laughs> but um i still think there is a a position in 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 the game for someone that can rough up a defense um i, I saw it in the venger years we came a cropper so many times against a big center forward that basically roughed up our defense and it can also create more room for the other faster, more nimble players around them. Um, you know, that they can hold it up. They can flick it on. It just gives us an extra option. If you play the same pattern, the same ball all the time, it's going to become predictable. Bring this kind of guy on if, you, if you're chasing the game, if you're drawing against a lower team or, or, or losing. 
with 20 minutes to go where you do need that plan B. You need to mix it up, in, in my view. Yeah. And, and, and a big guy, and they can still play. I mean, one, I mean, I remember seeing that Giroud goal years ago, the scorpion kick, I think, against Crystal Palace. He was a big guy. He could hold it up. He could rough them up a little bit, but he still had the skill. Just because you're big doesn't mean you're necessarily not great on the ball. They, they learn skills these days from such an early age. Um, I, I still believe that you, you, if we if we have the budget, and again, it's if uh, one thing I don't advocate is just spending for the sake of spending. We're not Manchester City. We're not Newcastle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to count Chelsea in that bracket anymore. Hopefully, um, I'm looking forward to them having uh, the electric fence put back in and a car park at the back of their of their goal. Um, <laughs> but we do we are constrained. By a budget, I, I accept that, and I don't want to see us um, kind of push ourselves too much financially and get into a potential lead situation. Um, but if we do have the budget for it, and we can get the player at the right, um, the right kind of money, I would like to see a target man come in. And as regards a, a marquee signing, no, I don't want to see that. I want to see a guy on the up. I, I don't believe in in buying a player at the height of his um, of his worth. We're, we're not. That kind of club, um, you know, I've seen you know Real Madrid and Barcelona do. It. I don't know how they do it financially because uh, you know I read somewhere that Barcelona had a uh, a wage bill of 105 percent of their revenue. I mean, from a business perspective, yeah, and and, and that's that, that's a wage bill. That, that that's not that's not their expenses are 105 percent no, of their revenue. That's the, that's wage the wages bill. alone. The wage bill alone, and I wouldn't advocate. It's just that's before wrong. they turn. That's before they turn the uh, the, the the lights on at the yeah. new camp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look forward to the lights at the new camp going off. Yeah, and that will teach them a lesson. You know, no, it's, it's, it'll, it's it'll just, never it's happen. Right. But, that, but it's never right. it's, it's, someone somewhere is underwriting that. I, I don't. I I don't get why. Um, but we're not in that bracket. So I do want to see a signing. I want to see an up-and-coming striker um, with a bit of size, a bit of aggression, um, something a little bit different from Jesus. Maybe he can play alongside him in, in, in some games. Sometimes he can come on and replace him or, or be a, a foil for him. But I do want to see something different come in. And yes, I also want to see a destroyer because I, I love that kind of player um, that can come into the midfield and basically stop the team playing. One thing I learned when I played football, that it was a lot easier stopping the opposition than it is kind of creating something yourself. And I, and I think that, you know, people don't concentrate enough on that position. If you stop the opposition scoring, it becomes a lot easier to win the game. Uh, it becomes considerably easier to win the game if you can completely stop them from scoring. Yeah. So, and at least you can't lose if you haven't conceded. Yeah. Exactly. So, James, I'm seeing a lot of uh, in in the chat. I've seen a lot of uh, comments about kind of our academy players that play up front. And while I'm not necessarily as in the know about their their profile, whether they're you know speedy, got I mean Tyrese John Jules, Mika Birith, um, Muller. There's I think at least one or two more that are that are in the pipeline somewhere. I'm not saying they're ready to, to play significant minutes this season, but you know, these are some of the players that are either going to have to get some minutes in the next few seasons, get loans to where their value grows and we can sell them to fund other deals uh, like a normal team does instead of like what we've been doing. And uh, you know, 
but but Giroud, I mean, to me, not to not to harp on it, but to harp on it, um, Julian pointed out one of my favorite things about Giroud was that he was the guy who touched the ball last before both of Ramsey's FA Cup winning goals, before Jack Wilshere's goal against Norwich, before Rosicki's goal against who was it, West Brom or something like that. I mean, some of the, the slickest moves and the best team goals we've scored, which you normally would associate with kind of a fluid front six of just speedy, you know, guys like, like Jesus and, and Saka and Smith Rowe and Odegaard. But some of those best goals were tap-ins because of Olivier Giroud. And, and so I do think if you can find a player of that, you know, of that kind of profile when they're on the up, like he was after that year of Montpellier, um, you know, I'd spend that money now on him and worry about it later. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just uh, where, where is that, you know, where is that player that's going to be at the same sort of price that we got Giroud for at the time? Because if you're looking to find that kind of player now, um, that they're gonna they're gonna cost a lot of money. Like we've said earlier, strikers are at a premium, you know. Um Julian, you mentioned it that Jesus is too expensive for you with a guy who's got one year left on his contract. That's unfortunately the game that we're probably potentially gonna have to play. Um and looking at it and what this club wants to do, I believe that they want to strengthen other areas. And I believe that the one area that is left is the exact area that Melvin mentioned previously and that is that midfield destroyer there is for me only one more weak link left in this team in that starting 11 that you know was there last season and it is unfortunately granite jacker and once that is upgraded i believe then let you know we'll see what happens you know the floodgates may open we don't know yet but i think that is the last position left to go for i mean if if you want a cheap target man um, that's young, then go get that Carl Hudlin from Solihull Moors. He's six foot nine. Just go buy him. <laughs> hey, that sounds great to me. <laughs> can, you you wanna, can you do uh, a Rabona Scorpion kick? Uh, uh, probably, not, probably not at six foot nine. He'd probably trip over his own feet. But uh, <laughs> We'll get but, him and Wayne Shaw. <laughs> yeah. To, I mean, uh, it, it, if not, um, Gabriel had the most goals for a centre-back. Just do what Liverpool did to us all those years ago when they put Stephen Corker up front for the last 10 minutes. Just go so, down so that who route. Who would be a good destroyer then, James, to bring in? I mean, Jason Jones asked that question. Uh, Kevin Dempsey says, Dempsey says uh, the destroyer is supposed to be Partey. Uh, Lynn says Fafana would be ideal in our midfield. And, of course, we've we've all been talking about the potential, uh, you know, new midfield partner for Xhaka being Tielemans. I don't look at Tielemans as a destroyer necessarily. No. So, you know, you're talking about partnering Xhaka or partnering Partey with a destroyer type like what we looked at Victor Wenyama being years ago or, or someone like that. Who are we talking about then, given that, Basuma's not available. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the um, the guy that they're going for at the moment, it appears, is uh, is the boy from Ajax, who seems to be... You think he'll perfect. be in that position? Oh, the butcher. Uh, oh, yeah. I, the butcher so I mean, I know very little about him other than the fact that he's left-sided, so that would suit the fact that, you know, you, you talk, James, that we you think every weakness is covered. Um, Tavares comes in every time... Um, that we have a problem with uh, with Tierney. I, I do actually rate um, Tavares until he's got to defend, which for me is pretty integral for a left-back. Um, he's fabulous going forward till he gets near goal um, and then it ends up in the crowd. But 
you know, he's so pacey. You could be comfortable with him as a wing back in a three in a in a three or five back setting more so than a straight left back. If you're looking for a defensive left back, which I still think is quite integral to that role, um, he's got a lot to learn. So I think we do need to put him out on loan, maybe for a season, um, get him up to speed. Because towards the end of last season, he looked totally out of his depth. I say towards the end from that um, FA Cup game at, um, at Forest. So if we can get this boy Martinez in, we can have cover for Tierney. Um, potentially, he can cover it at centre-back. Although I think we're, we're, we're OK at that position. But from all accounts, he can play at defensive midfield. And with a name like the Butcher, I think he could, um, could be your man. They had me at, I mean, when I found out that the guy's name was The Butcher, I I mean, I put him in all my spreadsheets yesterday as T Butcher, not L Martinez. Like, like you know, I'm, I'm listing all the potential players and their wages and fees um, on my financial podcast. And, and I mean, I will not call him Lissandro Martinez under any circumstances. He is The Butcher. I'm getting The Butcher on the back of my shirt. Uh, you know, I haven't been this excited about somebody since Manchi, and we didn't even we didn't end up getting Manchi. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep it low key, but just because of his name, I don't I don't even care that he's apparently a really 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 good player. I just want a guy named the Butcher on the on, on the team. So um, Mike, this uh, Seco Fafana from Lens as well that we've been linked with. I know Newcastle were looking at going big for him. I hope we can get in there before they do he he's another one who's a really really good player and what also he's good at defensively he's very very good at distributing the ball which is amazing especially if you've got the likes of your martinelli and your jesus and your Saka in full flow because if you remember the goal against newcastle that martinelli scored that come from that lofted through ball from Tomiyasu, which didn't get enough credit for me. The finish by Martinelli was what got all the plaudits. But I'm like, no, rewind it back and appreciate that pass because you don't get goals like that unless those balls come in. That's what you dream of when you play as a striker, just someone who can ping you a ball like that over the top. And this Fafana's amazing at it. I mean, um, I briefly watched the game that... So this is not played. Wesley Fafana, then. This is no, 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 no. This is a different... Yeah, yeah um, he... He played against PSG and um, they drew one all. I, I just remember briefly having it on. And I remember just turning to my father at the time when we were watching it together going like, who is this guy? Because like, where is it? This guy's got to get signed for something. He just, just stopped everything. I know a lot of people, you know, give the French league not the best plaudits going, you know, and they think it's quite a dead league. and whatever. But th- this guy really stood out. And in a game where you're playing against PSG, when you when the names that they have when you're standing out yeah he was really really good in that game well, but but good. again i don't i did that I've, that that was just brief i haven't seen a whole full 90 minutes of the guy and everything else i'm just going off just well, I've, I've seen reaction. zero i the one thing i i'd never do I, I i just avoid the temptation is to go and look at these youtube compilations when we're Rank, you know, I mean, I, I, I oh, I can go in my garden and do some tricks with a football and put house music over the top. You'd think I'm messy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the breakdowns when you start talking to the, the, the journalists like Tom Canton does, like FK has, has been doing. In fact, I not don't leave right now, but I think he's doing a butcher breakdown at this moment right now with a Portuguese journalist. Um, you know, I'm happy having my Jews with me personally, uh, but the uh. I mean, I haven't seen a minute of him. I didn't even see a picture of him until last night. But I just, you know, the guy is my is is my favorite Arsenal player of all time, right now. Um, 
quick shout out to the chat. We've got 60 strong of you in here, which is uh, which is great numbers. iGamer, what are you guys moaning about today? I don't hear much moaning. Uh, and you generally don't hear a tremendous amount of moaning on, on the Gooners pod. So uh, so thanks for that contribution. Sophie's in the house. Uh, Guy Lunner is in the house, who I just want to ban just for the for the pure fact that that uh, that he's named that, but he doesn't seem to be uh, of the same ilk. Daniel Roberts in here, uh, Lynn Simpson, Arnie from Iceland in the house, uh, Dempsex here, uh, a, a lot of other people. Jason been co uh, contributing, Mark McCrayden, Pedro. Thanks everybody for joining us. Stefan's in the chat, and uh, and please remember to, to. I almost never say this during a podcast, but slap a like on it if you like what you're hearing. Subscribe. You can either subscribe to the YouTube channel or by going to tgpsubscribe.me, um, not dot Mike, but dot just me, and uh, and subscribe. So I did a, a, a podcast yesterday. It was pre-recorded podcast about Arsenal finances because you know people have been saying, where is all this money coming from? You know that Arsenal spending now. And it's actually kind of interesting because the answer is a little nuanced. It's not just, oh, yeah, Kroenke's finally investing in the team, but it's also not not that. And and there's a lot of uh, longstanding issues that go back to why all of a sudden we have the money that we have to spend this December, uh, this this June, last June, uh, and so forth. So uh, if you want to catch that, just go to our, our YouTube channel as well. Um, so, Melvin, um, any other... Uh, Rafinha, we haven't talked about yet. Uh, just another creative, attacking, strong player that you know that we have here. And in the light of how we've talked about the specific areas of our squad that we need to strengthen, are you concerned? I, I would. I'm going to predict that you're a little concerned that we're thinking about spending sixty plus million on this guy, rather than licking your lips and, and saying let's just get as much depth as we can. Am I wrong about that, or? or are, are you no, you're not wrong. You're dead right. Uh, I, you know, if, if we've, as I say, the pot is so big and we're taking a lot of it to buy a player that we're not even sure wants to come to us for the right reasons, then I'm not for it. He's a terrific player, don't get me wrong. But I think that's not our weakest point, attacking on the, on the uh, wide, on the wide. So, you know, even um, Jesus, Jesus can play there as well. No, it, it, we've got other, other positions to worry about. If we get the other positions done and it's the cherry on the top, we go, look, we've got this over. We just found another 60 million for a player that we can coerce to play for us, then all right, we'll do it. But I'd rather, obviously, uh, look for other targets in other areas and then I'll be happier. You know, we still haven't got um, a, um, a left back, a deputy left back for Tierney, which uh, there's, a, there's a chance every match that he might get injured. I'm not having a go at him, he's a great player and I love him for the Arsenal but if he gets goes for a run of like four or five games that he's out which does happen then we're struggling again I don't want to be in that position I don't I, mean, I don't want the guy I don't want to say have our midfielder like Jack or I don't even going to be with us next year but if he is with us next year I don't want somebody him playing left back for any reason on this planet that can't happen because if we're playing a decent team we will be exposed if we're playing a team that's got a decent right-sided attacker we're going to be exposed so that can never happen we've got to fill that position in as well please not just not, let's not double and treble up in certain positions let's let's spend our money where we've got one fantastic footballer but we're one injury away from not having a, 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 um, 
great footballer and a great in a in a very important position. So no, I wouldn't want to see that. And the I mean, is he waiting for Barcelona? That's the thing I don't like. We, we had that with that forward in the um, in in the uh, winter. Um, the centre forward thinking about joining us, then he really wanted to go somewhere else. You don't want that, and I don't think Arteta would want that either. He says, mm. you know, I'll, I'll I think if they're it. really. If they're really going after him, I think there's been some conversations. I, I mean, there there could be something to that. We don't want to take someone who's picking us, you know, second best or third best. But that that doesn't concern me as much as someone who, who's basically come out and said, "I I don't want to go anywhere." But Vlaovic oh, yeah. is the center forward. Vlaovic is the center forward you're talking about. And Arsenal, Arsenal, absolutely. I mean, we 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 know this for a fact from from Gab Marcotti, who told us that. Uh, you know, we had essentially an agreement with or one agreement with a number of teams with Juventus, but the player had absolutely no interest in going anywhere. I'm sorry, with Fiorentina, the player had absolutely no interest in going anywhere other than Juventus, though. And so, you know, we never actually made a formal offer to the player. But um, the Rafinha thing seems to be a little bit more nuanced. Julian, let us know what your feeling is about Rafinha. And then if you uh, in the chat have any uh, user questions that you'd like to uh for me to send around the horn in the uh, in in the panel, I will be happy to uh, ask them. Yeah, well, I think if you look at Rafinha, um, he was definitely the standout player for me for Leeds. Um, he has a similar um, goal ratio, about thirty three percent, as uh, as Jesus does, in a much a much lower class team. Leeds, I mean, Leeds and a Man City are opposite ends to the uh, Premier League, and quite rightly so. Um, I mean, I saw a little bit of Leeds last season, and, and they were very, very poor. And Rafinha still stood out as a player that was um, was was quality. The other thing I quite like about him, um, and some people might question his attitude, is the fact that he does care. Um, he gets very hysterical. Um, I mean, I, I've had a lot of um, experience with Brazilians because I married one. Um, so I think they... they definitely have an edge to them and I How'd like that, that. Um, it went really well um, until it didn't go well <laughs> and, and I'm just well, hoping, that's, that's football for you you know yeah exactly and I'm just hoping you could say that, the same uh, about Alexis yeah I mean look, all, all I can say is, is Martinelli has renewed my faith in Brazilians so uh, <laughs> it's uh it's it's all good now with me with me and Brazilians but when you told me you went out a while ago and got a Brazilian, I did not realize that you meant. I thought you were talking about something else. Yeah, no, it was, it was a very expensive holiday that one. <laughs> so, so if if we look at Rafinha, there could be a number of reasons why he's coming. Um, would I want him? Yes. Um, as I think it was a, um, one of you said it. I'm not sure whether it's Melvin or James said you don't want to see us triple up in one position. Now, I don't think we're we're going to be tripling up. I, one thing about Pepe is that I don't think he's a poor player, but for me, you know, calling him a seventy-two million pound player is way off the mark. For me, he's more of a ten million pound player with a sixty-two million pound in someone's back pocket. Um, he's definitely not up to the job. It's not worked out for him. His confidence is 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 down. When he's come on, he's looked like a liability. Arteta obviously doesn't rate him. Um, he he wouldn't even bring him on much towards the end of 
last season. I hardly saw any of him. Um, I remember the, all, that, the, all that love, all that lovey-dovey stuff after Afcon coming back and Pepe's a new yeah. player and all that. You know, you yeah. almost thought, all right, final chance to see this guy actually, you know, be worth something and and be salvageable for our club. And it just, you know, again, some people will blame Arteta for not allowing Pepe to do that. But there, but those same people are not watching five, six days of training. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, outside of the but, 90 minutes. But, but look, I'm, I'm not seeing five, six days of training, but what I've seen of him is you bring him on when all's lost. He's the last throw of the dice, like the game against Wolves, where he came on with 20 minutes to go. And we were, I think it was one of the only games last season where we came from behind and actually won the game. Uh, but I saw him come on, which was uh, as much because of this guy than than Pepe as well. That game, yeah. But Pepe Pepe instigated it. it yeah, I mean, give, no, he give was him great. Credit, give him credit. He was he was involved heavily in the two goals that things changed around when he came on. However, I also saw him come on against Villa when we were one 0 up, and he nearly he, he nearly gave the game away. He was the one that gave the free kick away. He gave the ball away a number of times. You never quite know what you're getting with him. He's not really up to it. I don't think he's going to fit in. So I would say that they'll probably just try and recoup whatever they can for him this summer. I've been quite surprised that he doesn't seem to be linked with anyone, but that may well be a reflection on what other teams actually think of him. And we're definitely going to take a haircut on that one. Uh, we're not going to get anywhere near what we paid for him. Um, and whatever we get will probably be, be a bonus. Um, it's not worked out for him. It's not worked out for us. I think he's on the way. Um, Saka, I would... There's been no talk of of him going anywhere, although he's only now got two years left on his contract. The fact they're in for Rafinha, I don't want to think this, but the cynical side of me thinks that maybe they'll they'll try and cash in on, on Saka. And if he's not willing to sign the contract uh, with two years to go, we'll get really decent money for him. And I don't think that would be a bad thing, a bad thing for us. If you look at um, how Liverpool instigated their great team, they instigated it because of the fact that they got massive money for Coutinho and they used that money wisely. And Suarez. Yeah, and, and Suarez. But the Coutinho one was a big one. I think they got something like 100, 108 million for us. Something outrageous. And they reinvested that. So although you say that Liverpool fans were massively upset by losing Coutinho, what they got, they lost a, a great player. But on the back of that, they got a fantastic team that went on to win the league for the first time in, in 20, 30-odd years in for, for them. So it could mean that they're getting Rafinha in because they know Saka's on the way. I don't think they know that, but it could be a protective move just in case that happens. But Melvin, you, you, you want to chime in? I think that if Arsenal sells Saka for 150 or wherever it is, it will sell them, send out the wrong message about our club. I think all the goodwill that's been the last season, there's been a lot of goodwill with our club, the fans the last 12 months and rightly so to a certain degree we played some very good football got some young kids in they're all fighting for that for their places which looks good the youngsters most certainly if we suddenly sell a homegrown kid who's done so much for us in such a short, short space of time to to anybody even if 150 rand i'm sorry this club the people will lose faith faith in the club I really believe that. And it's not as if we can get 150 and go, you know where, what we can do, we can spend it on this guy and that guy. We could probably, well, it's looking like it now, we're probably spending that money anyway. Liverpool did it because it was a, it was over the top bid, number one. 
and they knew what they needed, and they were in trouble for money, Liverpool, at the time. They so, also sent both of those players to the same place outside of the Premier League, and you know yeah. if soccer is sold, you know exactly where he's going. Exactly. And, also, and we're going to be playing him twice a season, if I mean, more. It was bad enough watching Robin Van Persie yeah. play against us for the last two or three seasons of his career. Just uh, he just did, it looked wrong. It felt wrong. It hurt in the heart to a degree. Being an Arsenal, and he player. drove and he drove a stake in our heart because he was incredible that season. Yeah, he was. He won. He helped big time. United win the league. Well, some of the goals he scored was fantastic. But I don't want. I mean, yeah, money's one thing. I think you've got to take them for us as supporters. I know we talk about it a lot, but you've got to take the money out of the equation because it's not our money. We've got no control. And I, you say he's 72 million Pepe. Believe me, I'd feel the same way about Pepe if he cost 22 million. He's limited. He's a liability. And he's, he's, if, you, if you, you're a team that wins games 4-0, you can afford to have him in your side because you can afford a, a person to play one every five games. We can't afford that where we are. And I think that, as I say, we've got a lot of goodwill. We've got, you know, we've got a song now, very good. But when I've gone to Hartford, Harvey, when I've gone to the Emirates last season, there's been a big change. We've got new, you know, I don't know what it is. It's a little bit of better football. There's a bit of belief. There's a bit of, you know, if we suddenly are, are selling people like that, and I, I feel the same about Smith Rowe as well. For me, I get, I, I just think, to me, he's my favourite Smith Rowe. He really is. There's something about him. He just is a natural, oh, they're all natural, but he's something about him he's got. He gets me off my seat. I love watching. Well, and, he, and he said he wants to. I mean, he's come out and said, which doesn't. This is not a verbal contract, but he said he wants to spend the rest of his career at Arsenal if it's if it's at all possible. I mean, he absolutely loves it here. Which, ironically, you know, he'd be the one that you would think would be looking at his future and saying, "I'm I'm not starting games anymore because of all these people that are signing." But I think he he gets it and would rather be part of a team that can compete on all fronts. Now, the thing with Saka is I, I don't think anybody's looking to sell Saka. I don't think anyone's letting to, looking to have Saka leave on a free. And, in fact, I've seen some very, very unverified reports that have said his new contract is essentially in the works or nearly done, which would be a huge relief, the biggest possible signing of all over the summer. But if it is made clear by him, whether it's this summer or – throughout some time in this season that he has no intention of extending his deal, then you don't have a choice. I mean, because, you know. Oh, that's different. That's different. that's different. No, that's different. I thought if you're talking about we're looking to get money for him because he's a commodity that's worth a lot of money, let's get the money now when he's worth a fortune. That's yeah, no, no. I, th I, th I think his, his value is on the rise. But if it becomes clear that that we are, you know, that, that he is either wanting Ozil money or, uh, or you know, is is just gonna really play this whole thing out until the very end, and then and keep us from essentially being able to plan around him, uh, like players. I mean, even Philip Coutinho extended his contract after saying he wanted out of Liverpool, which allowed Liverpool to get the price that they did for him and to plan and build and scout replacement players, or you know, or or strengthen in the other positions keep tabs on Van Dyke and so on. And, um, and and so he did them a solid, even though things were not great between the club and, and Coutinho. I don't see Saka being in that category. I, th I mean, I think Saka's a great kid with a great family. 
uh, who, you know, we don't know that much about his advisors and his agents other than they have other players for Arsenal that they advise. Uh, but I, I just really don't see that happening. And yeah, I, when I don't want something to happen, I usually don't envision it happening. But I, I think that all this talk about Saka leaving and, you know, is it a free, is he sold the city, what's going to happen, I think is, is going to end up being redundant and, uh, and obsolete in, in the very near future. Um, Saka's not stupid, right? Like you said, he's got, he's got other play, he's got teammates at the club that have the same agent as him, right? He's got Balogun that went on loan last season, didn't even really make any first team appearance apart from the Brentford game where, okay, I thought he was just thrown out to the Wolves pretty much, bless him. Um, he's on more money than him. So he'd go, well, hang on a sec. He doesn't even play and he earns more than me. And then he's got Anketia who, okay, towards the end of the season come in, done his job and showed facets of his game that the fans didn't think that he had and improved. Is it worth a hundred grand a week? Probably not, but that's what's paid. That's what's happened. So we'll, we'll deal with it. So he's looking at that going, well, hang on a sec. They're on, you know, they're both on more than me. I'm literally your best player. I'm your star man. Every advertising campaign, everything, you know, him holding the little dog with the, the picture. I'm like, I'm your main guy. I need to be paid, if not the same as party or more than him. Because I'm the man, I'm doing, as well as doing all the stuff on the pitch, all the extracurricular stuff that you want, community stuff, advertising stuff, I'm the big man for that. So I need to be paid as such. And I think as well, if he's not stupid because he's looking at what's going on, going around, around, you know, the two clubs that will buy him, we all know who they are. And that's Liverpool and Man City, right? If Salah does not get his 400 grand a week that he wants from Liverpool, Real Madrid will find a way to do it and he will go. Do you not think Liverpool are going to not go for him then? Of course they are. And City don't want Mares anymore. And Bernardo, if Barcelona can sort their lives out, he wants Bernardo Silva wants to go to Barcelona. He doesn't want to stay there anymore. So they're looking for a left-footed winger as well. I mean, I mean, the guy's got all the leverage in the world, but I personally think he will want to stay. But the club, the club have to match the ambition of this player because he's not going to stay if we do not make top four next season. Which we well, have and that's to always the thing, you know. We got players saying that they want, like Lacazette saying they want to leave and play Champions League football when they're part of the reason that we didn't make Champions League football. Yeah. I'm not saying that Saka is responsible for fifth and eighth place over the last couple of years. He's been the shining light that's allowed us to even finish that high. Uh, but the, um, you know, it, it it's going to be about does he envision himself wanting to have a Tony Adams esque type of career where he spends his entirety of his career here and then gets us, you know, a soccer statue outside of the stadium. Does he want to be that guy for the arsenal? Um, if we keep getting sixth, seventh, eighth place, then he's going to be the guy who just didn't have enough ambition to go ever win anything. Obviously I think we're ahead of that track now. I think we're on the Liverpool track. And if we are, I don't know why he wouldn't want to commit his future. Maybe it's a three-year deal instead of a five to give him the flexibility so that he can go get that, that huge 25-year-old deal uh, at some point, either from us or someone else. But, you know, I think Jesus is going to be on about 200. Uh, Partey's on 200. Those are the those are now the, the high wage earners at Arsenal. I don't think any of the other signings that we're signing would be anywhere near 200 a week. So I think Saka's going to probably be put on 220. 
symbolically and importantly be our, our, our high wage earner. And in two years, we may be looking at that as a massive bargain. Um, but we don't know what's being said behind the scenes. We don't know what's been discussed. The thing, the thing as well, Mike, is, is the people worry about how much you're paying these people because they get memories of Abamyang, they get memories of Ozil, right? They how much never, you're paying doesn't matter if the effort doesn't doesn't like, like there you go. Just all of a sudden a fat cat because you're making money. That's it. That's it. And I mean, Abamyang at the time you had to renew him because if Mikel did not renew him after how he performed in that cup run. People would have been wanting it. I know people want him sacked now, but by God, they would have gone berserk if he didn't renew Aubameyang back then. And then Ozil just got what he wanted because he was Ozil. We know no one had the guts to stand up to him. No, I, th I actually think the, the Ozil deal. I, I blame Wenger for that one. Um, it was one of the most selfish acts of a manager that we've had in our history. It was um, it was a few months. It was the January transfer window before he finally went. He was clinging on by his fingernails um, to that job. It was a reaction to get to Alexis essentially stropping. Yeah, his I, mean, I mean, he was faced with losing what he perceived to be his two best players. Um, he then saddled us with, how can I describe Ozil? Um, a parasite for the next three to four years. A guy that, I mean, I always say success in, in every walk of life is governed by, by three factors. Um, number one, natural ability. You can't argue that Ozil didn't have natural ability. He, he had it in the, in the bucket loads. Um, but the other two things are attitude, which was stinking. His attitude was absolutely stinking. He put everything above his love for Arsenal. There was no love for Arsenal. And the, uh, and the third one was work rate. The guy couldn't even be bothered once he got that contract. He was done, absolutely done. He was an absolute parasite. And I, I blame Wenger for that. And the uh, the management ahead of him gave um, gave him too much control, uh, and and he did that to save his own skin and saddled us for years. I I think he was the virus within yeah. that squad for for years to come until we got shot of him. And and once we have got shot of him, Arteta got shot of him. I think things have been very much on the up. Well, compare the first half and the second half of the two, uh, of the twenty. 2019-2020 season. Yeah. Um, no, it was the 2020-21 season the, where we played Chelsea on Boxing Day and and uh, and got rid of Ozil a couple of weeks later and and his cronies and the whole thing changed. I mean, I've, I've harped on about that over and over again. I thought that January transfer window where we got, where we essentially paid three guys to leave and signed no one other than uh, Matt Ryan and Odegaard on loan was one of our best transfer windows yeah, ever. To, to get a um, of him, um, some of my endearing memory of Ozil was him sitting at uh, Brighton under an umbrella, keeping the sun off him. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I remember that picture. Yeah. One last question from, uh, from the chat, and then we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for, uh, for sticking with us for an hour. Thanks to all 72 of you in live chat. I can't see how many uh, thumbs up we have, but, uh, but if, you, uh, if you don't mind giving us a like, I'd appreciate it. The final question is one from quite some time ago from iGamer. Um, it's, a, it's especially apropos after last night with uh, with uh, Stan Kroenke's environment, his, 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 not his environment, his corporation, KSE, owning three now, two major and one minor uh, national league championships in America, in lacrosse, foot, American football, and, and ice hockey. Uh, do you think he's developing an appetite for winning that will spill over us? 
what I resist is when people start uneducatingly saying, well, now they can spend that championship money on Arsenal. There's no championship money. It's all built in an American sports beforehand. You got more for hosting the Super Bowl than they got for winning the Super Bowl. That's for sure. But anyway, aside from the financials of it, do you think that the like the last year is, I mean, somehow they're like, wow, winning really feels good. Let's now turn our attention to Arsenal and, and make that happen. Or do you think that that, I mean, they were going to try to win at Arsenal either way or what, what's your take on that? James, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, all the renovations that we're doing um, change the pitch to ice. And, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll smash it. You know, that's, that seems to be the way. Um, no, I've always said, Mike, about the Cronkies, um, people are still levelling you know, at them that they don't spend the money. You, you can't do that anymore. There's a lot of things you can blame them for, but in terms of spending money, that's not something that you can anymore for me. It, it, they've nearly done quarter of a billion with just one manager. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. It's insane. You know, if, if that's any other club, you, you, you'd be saying to them, well, what have they spent? You know, how have they spent it? Where have they spent it? Which I think is what you can blame them for. You can go, you, yeah, some of what you've spent has been silly. But that, that happens, you know, that, like we said earlier, that's football. Um, but no, I, I just want to see, you know, show, show me it on the pitch. You know, let's, let's see what happens. That's all we can do. Um, there's still a lot that I think needs to be done. Pre-season is going to be very interesting. You know, um, if we get these players in that we're all, you know, rumoured to be getting in, I'll be very, very happy. But as we've spoken before uh, earlier in the show, the two biggest signings that you can do now for me are extending Saka and extending Saliba. And the minute that Saliba, if he does choose to stay, signs that contract, as soon as I get to America, I'll be going to him and Ben White when it's Crystal Palace on that Friday, first game of the season. I don't know which one of you two is going to partner, Gabriel, but you get a half each in all these games we're playing in America and you show me. You, you, whatever you've got, you prove to me because people go, oh no, he'll stick with Ben White. Ben White's tried and trusted. Maybe, but I would, I would be going, show me what you got and we'll take it from there. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, Julian, about the, um, you know, the, the, the taste of winning and that sort of thing is when you think about how they've won their two championships in America, it isn't because Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke have gotten into the weeds. and I mean, it's all Stan can think about is his real estate project, which is SoFi Stadium, um, and, and getting a return on his investment in that. The fact that the team's winning is nice. You get to go, you know, in, in America, and I hate this, uh, the owners are the ones who literally are handed, well, not in hockey, but uh, the, the owners are the ones that are handed the trophy, and then they give it to their team. Um and, and I would hate to see that in, in football. Can you imagine, you know, them handing the FA Cup or the Premier League trophy on the pitch to John Henry or to Sheikh Mansour and, and having him act like he did it? Uh, Crockett's had nothing to do with it, but what they've done in those two teams specifically is they've hired tremendous people and gotten the formula right with youth and, and, and up-and-coming managers rather than paying someone based on what they've done in the past and, and some team DNA as they've done in Colorado. So... Uh, with Joe Sackage, I think they've they've tried a few times, failed a few times, but might now have the formula for that. And and given that they do like winning, and they see that it, winning begets winning, 
maybe they are a little bit more willing to say, you know what, when Adu comes calling to me and says, look, man, I know we're kind of pulling the madness this season, but A, I need more barbecue meat, and B, I need another left back. They might say, you know what, if you're telling me we need one, then I'm good with that. Do you see any validity in that or, or just Well, the- I, mean, I have to 100% disagree with you, Mark, on that one, that uh, this idea of the, the owners picking up a, a trophy when they've got nothing to do with the success of the team. For me, they are at the very pinnacle. They're at the top of the organisation in the same way that um, I would blame them for putting the wrong people in. They put too much faith in Wenger. Um, I can understand that the reasons why. They never didn't spend money, in my view. They just wasted a lot of money because they had the wrong people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, you would blame them because they put the wrong people into the wrong jobs or they accepted the wrong people into the wrong jobs. And one thing I think they're definitely getting right now, and you can put it down to a little bit of, uh, I mean, when did they actually take over Arsenal? I know they sort of turned up in April 2007, but for me, they didn't have full ownership till I think 2018. So I, we, I kind of we, give them a little bit of a pass for those first. Um, well, sorry, Julian, I just want to point out that because we're getting close to the end here, that, that we had about a 30 minute conversation on the Gooner talk with Tom Canton earlier today about exactly that. You know, what is the difference between 2007 to 2018 and 2018 to 2022? Um, it's, I mean, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, you know, I just that that could be a thirty-minute conversation in and yeah. of itself. Oh, I could do hours on that. But in 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 summary, I would say, if Arsenal are winning, ultimately, um, we we thank the Cronkies for that because they're at the top. When Arsenal are losing, then we blame the Cronkies because they're at the top. So for me, I, I I totally disagree with that statement. I think that that there is a, a case for them picking up a cup and and being there because they're ultimately responsible for us winning and losing. I know, but I, I mean, am I the only one who, who who would who would vomit if maybe it's just because it's them? But I mean, I, I just I, I like to see the coach and the players yeah. Reap, yeah. reap the rewards. I know that they're paid, and the, I mean, I know how a hierarchy works, but it's just like it just seems in really bad taste. You, a manager, a true manager of men, or a, or a director of uh, of a large organization has more input and less glory, um, and is happy with that. Well, so, I, mean, I mean, I have to say that, that I'm head of the organisation I work at and I will always take the glory. <laughs> well, that's easy. I, I, I don't doubt that having known you just in the six months that I've known you. Um, and, and uh, you, you know, you are you, you, you do want the glory shot. I know that. Absolutely. <laughs> Julian, uh, and I'm going to pass it around to you, Melvin, again, but let's do the, Let's kind of do our outros while we're while we're here. Julian, where can we find you since you do not participate in the lovely Twitter? Um, where can you find me? I, I live in North London. Is that the answer? I, 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 I mean, well, you can either you can either talk talk to us about your other social media, or you can just give us your home address. And oh, okay. Um, I I'm trying to look to what it is because I I had it set up by one of the uh, the girlies at uh, AFTV. Um, she set me up on Instagram. Just looking what it is. It's uh, Julian eighty nine AFC. And I have to say that the 89 wasn't the year that I was born. Um, unfortunately, 89 was um, the, the um, symbolic of the greatest uh, night of my life, which was May 26, 1989. And, you got and, married the same night as Arsenal won the league? 
yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't actually ma married then. I mean, you, I you, were in, you were in Brazil that night, I believe. Yeah, and, I mean, and, I, and and that's yeah. a, that's a very good segue, by the way. Um, before we get to Melvin, that yeah. uh, we we have seventy two hours left to get in for this raffle. Uh, I believe all of you guys are in the raffle. Um, there's there's about as of about an hour ago, there were seventy tickets. Technically, there were sixty nine, but that would be too too me to point that out. Um, but there's just under 70 tickets remaining out of 500 to win this amazing 89 shirt. Uh, I'm not going to play the video because it'll take another minute and a half, but, uh, but go to GoonersVCancer.com if you want to get into this or if you want to buy any more entries before it closes out. The deadline is 10 p.m. UK on Thursday, and then we're going to draw for the winner live on the Gooners podcast starting at 9.30 on Friday evening UK time. Someone's going to win something amazing to put on their wall. And it, yeah, it looks like a it looks like a fantastic prize. Who who wrote the um who wrote on it? Was that one of the players? Well, it was four of the players. That on the top, it's uh, Arsenal come streaming forward, and what surely must yeah. be their last attack. Obviously, then that was, signed that was, by John that was a famous commentary. Yep, okay. uh, Brian Moore's commentary. Then John Lukic signed there. Good ball by Dixon finding Smith. Signed by Lee Dixon for Thomas charging through the midfield. Thomas signed by Alan Smith, and of course, it's up for grabs now. Thomas right at the end, signed by Michael Thomas. And that's something that you cannot get anywhere other than through Gunners versus Cancer. So uh, we hope to hit our goal of getting 500 entries. That'll be just over 10,000 pounds, $12,500 raised for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And then we're just getting started for the summer uh, locally in, uh, in Orlando, Baltimore, later in the summer in London and online. So uh, lots of cool stuff to come. And thanks for mentioning 1989. Um, Melvin, the uh, I forgot even what the final question that we were talking about was. Where can you uh, find me? Right. Well, but, yeah, I, I but uh, even even before that, I think uh, we'll talk about Cronky. Would he would you see him picking up? Yeah, stuff? is he getting that appetite for winning, or do you well, do you put any stock in that whatsoever? No, I think uh, very quickly the appetite for him is bottom line. If he if he wins games on the if he wins trophies on the way. It's great for him. There's not the be on an end all. The be on an end all is the money. End all. That's number one. And number two, you can rest, Michael, Mike, because he won't be picking up any trophies. Cronky Stanley won't because he never goes to the games anyway. So don't worry about that. Right. Um, well, and that, that yeah. pinstripe suit that he wore to the FA Cups, I think, is probably uh, in the garbage at this point. Yeah, he hired it to the day. Um, uh, you can find you want to know where you can find me. Most yeah, people please. don't, but it's uh, as it says here on Twitter. Melvin, the only way is Arsenal marks, and I do. Um, I'm a regular on uh, over and over again with uh, Richard. Now, it, and and you're a regular on a podcast called Over and Over and Over Again. So you basically yeah. appear on that podcast over and over and every over. time. Most, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, yeah. Melvin, thanks for joining us. Uh, oh, it was you. great to finally have you on. Appreciate your your great opinions. Uh, and James, uh, you started on the on the the whole Cronky thing, so let's just finish off with where we can find you. Are you or are you not getting back into more regular podcasting? What's going on with you? Yeah, so just LL Cool James ninety one on Twitter at the bottom there, and literally everything that I do is on there. So you know, purely Arsenal FP is on there, where we just talk purely about Arsenal, nothing else. And then uh, James Johnston Football on YouTube is my own channel. Uh, I reached 140 subscribers the other day. I know that's not much, but for me and my friend just talking rubbish about football and 
conspiracy theories uh when we get bored of talking about football that's pretty impressive you know we once had a big discussion about if plastic should go in volcanoes and then we got told that that's a really bad idea those are the those are the important things that that people you know you'd be surprised what arsenal supporters tune yeah. or, or just people in general tune into yeah hear. what what favorite arsenal player would we like to go to a buffet with and why um, we, we do uh we do danny uh, danny the gfp and i do a show called sunday roast every sunday night at 9 p.m that uh it, we've, we've done 20 of them and it just boggles my mind that 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 one much less 25 to 35 people tune into that to listen to us waffle about about stuff so uh you know must be doing something right but uh thank you james for joining us please go to tgpsubscribe.me if you want a quick link to subscribe to the gooners podcast set that bell so that you can hear when we go to uh to do content which right now is coming fast and furious please again go to goonersvcancer.com through friday it will be about the shirt after friday it'll be about a bunch more very cool stuff contests raffles prizes killing cancer all of that good stuff that we want to do i'm going to give the last word to uh to manali cream in the in the chat which is a name i don't recognize but he's quite rightly said oiga vault and i think that pretty much sums up <laughs> what this podcast was all about so thanks again for joining us take care we'll see you hopefully tomorrow night with a guest to be announced <laughs>